The world is watching, not the, not the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. No, they're watching the Royal Wedding. But for your Phantoms coverage and your Philadelphia Flyers, uh, that is why you are tuning in to Snow the Goalie, part of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. I'm Russ Joy, at Joy on Broad, joined as always by Flyers beat writer for Crossing Broad, Anthony Sanfilippo. You can find him on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly. Anthony, so much to do. We missed a week. That's my fault. Um, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers who listen. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we took the week to, uh, to serve all the, the lovely ladies in the world and those who are most important to us. So we are back here, and it's great. Yeah, it's good to, it's good to be back. I was getting a little itchy, a little antsy. I was wondering when we were going to get back to talking about the puck. It's a lot, a of, a lot aunt, of crazy, antsy. crazy, <laughs> little antsy. That's, well, yeah. well that, see, ant, ant san, antsy. Oh, nice. Come nice. on, antsy Philly. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, maybe we should maybe we should uh, change the uh, change the uh, my Twitter handle then, right? Yeah, antsy antsy Philly <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> that would be easier for me to remember. I won't screw it up. I promise. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, a lot of good good hockey going on, um, both at the uh, professional and uh, minor league level. Um, but the NHL playoffs have been have been really good as they usually are. Um, that that Nashville Winnipeg series was just lights out seven games great of great hockey um i was mildly disappointed because i wanted to see laviolette uh, get back to the final again this year um but uh the jets played a great series i can't take anything away from them jets by the way loaded with american players did you know that they have like 10 american players on the winnipeg jets i did not Um, know that yeah i mean it's kind of funny like the last remaining canadian team is the least canadian team left in the tournament (laughs) and and i love how canada every year they all like the entire country like gets behind the last canadian team left because they haven't won a stanley cup in 25 years in canada (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's they all they all root for like the other city even though even, they could be their most bitter rival i remember the year ottawa went to the final against anaheim i think it was what oh three um i had some friends in toronto now the, bitter rivals toronto and Ottawa. it'd be like eagles fans rooting for the cowboys in the super bowl i mean that really that's what it would be like um and the, the toronto fans were like oh yeah well we want ottawa to win so the stanley cup comes back to canada and i was like Ottawa's full of European players. Like, why the heck do you care? Like, does it matter? Like, no. Root for Anaheim. They got a bunch of Canadian players on the team. He's going to see good Canadian kids win, right? Anyway, so, uh, but that series was fantastic, That Nashville and, and, and Winnipeg. Um, it was great to see Washington knock off Pittsburgh, as we talked about on this on this podcast uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we saw my we bracket. Saw, well, it blew up your bracket, but I told you I saw it coming. I the fact that the Flyers were able to win two games in Pittsburgh and not be nearly as good good enough team to beat the Penguins told me all I needed to know about this Penguins team not quite being ready for a third Stanley Cup. And you saw it coming, and if Washington could just organize their game and, and play within themselves, they would be a better team than the Penguins, and they did. Um, and then they, they carried it over the first two games of the series against Tampa, and now all of a sudden they're back to being the old Capitals again. And I, it, I think they're done. I think they're toast. I think Tampa's got their number now. I, that Literally, I think Tampa can win this series in six. Um, but, geez, the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> Holy cow. An expansion team is one win away from reaching the cup final in its first season. That's That's unbelievable. It's it's unprecedented. It's it's uh, it's something that we'll get back to, I think, a little bit later in the show because yeah. there's something that um, uh, you and I disagree about. You think that it's the all-time 
uh, biggest potential upset, like if they go on to win it or I guess just getting to the final alone, and you dared uh, off air to kind of compare this to a uh, a soccer thing that happened a few years ago in the EPL, and I I simply will not stand by. You know well, when good. you that's, when you and that's fine. when you and Bob like to uh, to trash the beautiful game on crossed up on Tuesday mornings. You know, uh, and I, hey, I'm, and going I to, have, I'm going to the, I'm going to the beautiful <laughs> game today tonight. Hey, oh my God, it's it's happening. Who are they it's, playing it's, tonight? See, I, this is this is how much I've paid attention to the Union this season. I don't even know who they're playing. Tonight. Real Salt Lake. That's the only reason. Oh, I'm man, going. they're it's the only reason I'm going. That's it's, a it, I have I have a co I have a coworker who's from Salt Lake, uh, works in Washington, and was coming up and is like, hey, you think we can get tickets to this like he's all ex- pumped and excited for it and i'm like uh sure <laughs> just so you know anthony rail salt lake this season is uh sixth in the western conference and uh they are very likely going to beat the union but you never know weirder things yeah. have happened so can't wait anyway can't we'll wait. get back to the golden knights uh and and this historic run that they're on um which by the way i you know the fact that they're being led by former flyer and uh champion of my heart not at all i hated his guts pierre edward Bellemar. Uh, is is pretty much all you need to know about uh, hockey. They they are like the the most misfit toys team I've seen since the Halifax, uh, ah, ah, the the Highlanders, the Halifax Highlanders. How did I screw that up? I oh my god! Every, every one of your references from that movie is like fantastic. And Halifax, you get, and you get that one wrong. Um, oh, man, you, 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 you might want to start saying it from now. Pierre Edouard Belmar, Stanley Cup champion, just to kind Stop. of. Get, just to kind of get used to it for when it happens, right? That way you, you're preparing yourself for it. It's kind of hard to uh, to like root against this, this Golden Knights team, right? I mean, I know that it's kind of the trendy thing because they're a new team and a lot of people have hopped on that bandwagon, but like that's an awesome story. Uh, it's a, but great, anyway, it's we'll, a great story. We'll it's get back to story. that a little bit yeah. later in the show. That's, a, that's what we call a, uh, a tease in the industry. That I know nothing nice. about. So uh, here, here we are. Uh, why don't we talk about the uh, the AHL team that happens to uh, you know feed a lot of good young players up to the Flyers who may or may not be played by the illustrious uh, coach of the year Dave Hackstall, or uh, they might ride the pine or sit up in the press box for the next six years. Uh, that of course is the uh, the Phantoms, and they yeah. are tonight uh, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. A lot of stuff has happened in this playoff run, including a 94-save performance by Alex Lyon. Um, there have been a couple major injuries. I would consider them major injuries uh, yes. that have happened to the defense core, especially if you're looking to one or two of these guys coming up next year in both Travis Sanheim and Sam Moran. Uh, a lot to talk about from that playoff run. So let's get into into that and what you've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and uh, far be it from me, I'm not sitting down watching the games online because you, that's the only place up until now, oh, actually up until next next uh, Tuesday, I guess it is, um, that you can uh, watch these games. Um, so I'm not sitting down watching them. But, I mean, I, I'm keeping catching up and seeing how they're playing and seeing who's doing what. Um, and, and they've done really well. I mean, you know they they were the best team in the in the division all year long so you kind of knew that they had a chance to make a little bit of a run here um with this team um which is a nice mix i will say this you give the phantom you know ron hextall credit for this yeah they are there are some nice young players on that team um but he does have a nice mix of veteran ahl guys as well um i mean they they're not making it as far as they've gotten without the likes of like a tj brennan on defense or colin mcdonald up front uh you know as a forward who's been around forever or phil verone i mean these guys are you know they've all had their cups of coffee in the nhl but are predominantly tweeners who play you know mostly in the ahl 
and that's why they're you know that's why they're helping this team win. So it does it does take a little bit of that balance. Can't be all youth, um, but they've been getting really nice performances. I mean, Oscar Lindblom went down there. He's only played in seven games. He's got a point per game, right? I mean, he's got four goals, three assists for for the Phantoms in seven playoff games. Um, Donnie, what does that tell you? But before we move on to the next one, like I know that we talked about the fact that Lindblom he was getting used to his first season in North America. Um, getting used to a new league, it took him some time in the AHL. He played really well. He got called up to the NHL, and maybe it was you know a, a rough stretch there where he was trying to then adjust to the uh, the much higher speed and and more physical play perhaps of of the NHL and you know greater expectations. To see him go back down, does does this uh, give you pause for a moment of you know whether or not he should be up next year, or is this just something where he's back playing with a team that he you know had built rapport with? And is probably more comfortable with his role. No, I think I think if anything else, it's um, it's this is a good sign because I think what it takes, what, what you're seeing is, is you know, Lindblom goes right back down there um, after being with the Flyers, and it, and then was a healthy scratch for you know much of the end of the series there, and it just jumps right back into playing and is really good. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's one of the best players on the ice, um, and, and so that goes that shows you that yeah, I mean he's graduated beyond this okay he's no he is an nhl level player and that's a good thing for the flyers i I think what i the one thing that maybe the flyers tried to do too soon with him is turn him into a top six forward um i know that they look long term and say we think he can be a second line left wing and and maybe he can be but you look at a guy and i'm not i don't want to compare him to sean couturier because they're two different positions but couturier took six seasons right to become what he became this year um, uh, he was a defensive-minded center who scored a little bit but not a lot over his first six years of his career and then all of a sudden breaks out this year at, at age 25 you know this was a kid who Limblom's a kid who was a fifth round draft pick as opposed to being a first round draft pick who comes into uh, North American hockey for the first time and needs to kind of feel his way and, and, and figure it out um, and maybe progresses a little bit faster than you, than you thought, which is great. Um, but I don't think you can just ima- expect him to walk into the National Hockey League and be a top six forward. You just can't expect that. And and that was where they, I mean, that's where they put him right away um, when he first c- got called up. And you could see that he's a good defensive forward. I mean, you could see a lot of the things that he does well, but he just doesn't know how to score at the NHL level just yet. So, like, I look at Oscar Lindblom and say, yeah, he belongs on this Flyers roster next year. But I'm perfectly fine with making him play a smaller role for now. I, I, I don't try and force him to be what you think he should eventually be. Let him play something else where he does well. He's a good defensive forward. Let him be a good defensive forward, okay? Let him play on that third line, you know, against lesser competition. Or even, I don't I wouldn't be opposed to him on the fourth line even. You know, I know people will complain about it, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me as much. Let him play in situations where he's going to get, you know, better offensive zone draws or, or matching up against another team's third or fourth line as opposed to the top two lines. And see if he can see if he can build some offensive confidence off of that while remaining a solid defensive minded player. So you know, that's what I see. You know, I, that's what I think that these oh, there's the clock. That's the what clock. I <laughs> the, 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 the clock, clock is back. <laughs> um, Hold on, so Anthony. That's, Let, no. You enjoying this? I am. Yeah. <laughs> There's just something oddly peaceful about it. 
this is kind of tradition now. It's almost every episode we've had the clock. Oh yeah, I'm putting that in the program notes. By the way, <laughs> people are gonna be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna like kind of go down this this list. Oh man, Stanley Cup playoffs thus far, Phantoms, Oscar Lindbaum's play, Anthony's clock rings. <laughs> um, all right, there we go. That's Do I call for whom the bell tolls? No, <laughs> Anthony's Anthony's clock. There we go. All right, we're yep. good. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so I think Lindbaum, it's only been seven games and he's scoring a point a game, but you're seeing, you know, he's, he's playing in all, all, all uh, situations too. I mean, he's got two power play goals, one shorthanded goal. So he's playing shorthanded. He's playing power play. He's playing even strength. He's just doing everything for them. He's been in my mind, their best player through, um, the first two rounds of the playoffs. So, um, that's a good positive sign for the Flyers. Another guy who I think has really looked good is Philip Myers defensively? Um, it, 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 yeah, he's got five. He's got five points in nine games, which is good for a defenseman. But he's playing the big minutes. Okay, he's the guy that's out there playing against the top lines of the other AHL teams and really doing a fine, fine job. Um, I, I think that he's a guy, believe it or not, who might actually be ahead of Sam Moran to get a spot on this roster next year. And I know that that seems weird because <clears throat> Sam Moran's out of um, he can't be sent back to the Phantoms without going through the wa- you know going through waivers next year. So you've run the risk of losing him if he's not on the NHL roster. Uh, but I think that Myers has passed him, and I'm think I think you're seeing it and seeing why with the way he's playing in these playoffs for the Phantoms right now. He's like the guy that they are relying on uh, for the big defensive minutes, and and he's coming through playing really really well now it'll be toronto will be a test because the marlies are a really good team in the ahl so it'll be fun to watch these games uh in the set in the conference finals just to see how myers matches up against some of their better players but i really like the way he's played and i think that that's another positive sign for the flyers moving forward all right so looking forward to next year for young guys they could get the call up um, I don't know. Give us your top three. If you had to rank them right now, your top three guys that were major contributors or are major contributors right now to the Phantoms on the defensive side that, um, you know, I, I guess in terms of where their current level of play is, maybe not who's most likely to get the call up, but, you know, top three defensemen that you see right now. Defensemen Myers or at the top? Defensemen? Defensemen, yeah. Just defense. Well, Sandheim's, I think, still number one. Um, okay. And he's hurt. Uh, but uh, you know he has a knee injury, um, but I still think sprain, he's the sprain MCL. I think right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's uh, he's good. to me. I think he's the guy who will be in the ro- in the lineup no matter what. Um, I think he's a guarantee. Um, okay. I think Myers is second. Um, in all honesty, and and I think he'll have a real chance to make this team next year as a top six defenseman. I really do. I think that he's got a he's got a real real chance. Had a nice progress. He progressed nicely for the Phantoms during the year, and now is playing at a, at a top level in the playoffs. So I really think that that's a, a possibility. I I don't see Sam Moran really making this team. I, I I think that there's a chance that he is either exposed to the waiver wire or the Flyers move him this summer as part of a, a trade. That was where I, I was going to Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I just don't. I, He's been a project, and they knew I was. I was in that draft room. Okay, I was doing. I was working for the team that, when the year that they drafted Sam Moran, and I could tell you with a hundred percent certainty that there was disagreement in the room 
um, leading up to the not the, not on the day of on the day of, they knew they were drafting him day of they had settled on it okay but leading up to um, the the draft day there was concern about taking Moran where they where they were there were other players that they were that other guys liked um, and they knew that if they made this pick it was going to be a longer term project that it wasn't going to be a hit right away. Um, but they felt like that there was enough raw tools there that they could turn him into a top defensive defenseman in the NHL. And there still might be, but he is so injury prone. He's had more problems with injuries since he's been drafted. Even when he was down in the ju- in junior hockey, he had injury problems. And it really has gotten to the point now where you're five years since he's been drafted and he's barely had a cup of coffee in the NHL. He needs to be further along at this point. He's been passed by Sandheim, who was drafted after him. He was passed by Philip Myers, who was signed after him. I, I don't see a, a way to get Sam Moran into this lineup next year as a regular. I mean, maybe he sticks as the seventh defenseman. But is that really what you wanted out of your first-round pick? I, I don't think so. So I, I think that something's going to happen. I think that there's going to be a move made, and I think Sam Moran is going to be part of something. Whatever moves that, that Hextall tries to make this summer, I think Sam Moran's going to be part of it. So here's one of the things that I guess I, I, I guess a lot of people have always been kind of enamored with is that he's this, uh, in Moran, he's a 6'7", 227-pound two, defenseman, and you know, everybody makes it sound like he's this big hulking presence, which obviously he is. Like that that is a that is a big young man. But Philip Myers isn't that far off. I mean he's twenty pounds lighter, but he's only two inches shorter. Like he's still a right. big defenseman. And it seems like Myers is a more skilled player. He's not as as goonish, I guess. Um if if you're the Flyers at this point and like let's say that going into next season, you have to assume that Travis Sanheim has to be one of the top six defensemen on on the big club, right? Has to be. Assuming yep. that he's recovered from injury. Um, yep. If we're building out the top six, because I, I kind of want to circle back around it. So if we're building out the top six for next year without, yep. you know, including any any draft or like any kind of potential free agent or trade, um, our top six defensemen right ne- or next year are who? We've got Goss. We have Goss Despair, Provorov. Right. Uh, do we slot Sanheim in as like a number three? Uh, yeah, probably. Is that too high for him? No, I mean I don't think he's I don't think he's a three yet. I mean he's probably still more like a five six, but I don't I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing in the second pair next McDonald year. McDonald will probably be on that second pair, I would assume, right? Uh, yes, okay. that's that's so we've, that's fair as well. All right, so we've got that pair. Uh, Gudis, I guess, is gonna be back, right? He still has another. Well, he's, year he's still on that under deal, con- right? he's still under contract now. Whether so again, he's another guy who I think could be in play. How, um, many, how many teams are really? interested in him there well you, you could you, you can find teams who are kind of as part of the that are looking at it as like our, we're rebuilding and we need to get a veteran guy to come in and just play for us every night and they're closer to the salary floor um than they are to the you know towards the the cap um and i think that you know you look at, at teams like that and you say okay well maybe they'll be willing to take a player you know, maybe even if, if Hextall even offered to pay small portion of the contract or something like that. I mean, because you know, Gudis is signed for three point three five next year. That's not a ton. I mean, it's it's probably you know what you're you're paying most of your number four defenseman in hockey. So it's not mm-hmm. like it's a it's not like a, a burdensome contract. Um, 
So, but I, I think that uh, I think that he's a guy that could probably be. That there's a question, right? The guy you forgot to mention, who I believe will be on the roster, is Robert Haig. Um, okay. uh, he's an RFA, but I think they'll 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 certainly 100 um, percent, you know, offer him a uh, uh, a contract um, and keep his services. Um, so I, I think Haig is the guy that you know is probably in your third pair for sure. Um, and then the question then becomes, you know, is are you keeping Gudis as your seventh defenseman, and and then who's the other guy that makes it from the big club or from the minors moves up, uh, or do you go out and get a free agent? Um, so I mean, there's there's some tweaking to do there. I mean, he, there, you know, Hextall did talk at the end of the year, and he mentioned third line center and defense as a place that he wants to look to improve the team. So if he's going to go out and sign a defenseman, I think he's got to move a defenseman. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, because I think one of those guys, I think, and I think Philip Myers might be the one who has a better chance than than Moran. One of those guys is going to be on the roster. So, if you're going to go out and get another defenseman in free agency or trade or whatever, then you got to move somebody off that you currently are, have under contract. And the one that makes any sense at all is Radko Gudis. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't want to skip Haig. It just kind of felt like later in the season, um, he he had kind of fallen out of out of favor at least a little bit with Hackstall. Maybe that was me misreading it, but yeah, well, it was, um, a, it, was it, it wasn't a misread by you because they see this is where the Flyers frustrate me because they all they had to do was be honest, and if they were honest, people would have realized that Haig didn't necessarily fall out of favor. Haig had an injury, um, and and came back from the injury and was playing through. He had a heel injury okay it was a foot slash heel kind of problem and he was really having a hard time skating on it and you know as hockey players do they will try and play through anything and they try to bring him back a little bit early and he played a few games and then they had to take him back out because you could just you could see him you could watch him playing like this, this guy's not playing right something's wrong and they took him back out of the lineup um and that's when they reinserted Sanheim back in and that was right at the end of the season, and they just kind of rolled with it into the playoffs, right? And then Hay got in, got in once they were down what three one to Pittsburgh. He came back, and they you know at the at the very end. Um, but at, he was he was injured, and, and it, all the Flyers had to do was say, "Yeah, he's not a hundred percent." You say you say that you don't have to say what the injury is. Just say, "Listen, he's not a hundred percent." And no one's questioning, well, why is this decision being made? Why is that? But the fact that they keep everything so close to the vest now, all of a sudden, you start saying. You know, it, it makes perfect sense for you as, as, as someone who's watching from afar say, well, maybe Hackstall doesn't have confidence in Hague anymore. It, and that's a very fair question. Maybe that's it, but for you to ask in your situation. It's not you're not off by asking that question. The fact of the matter is, is that he was not 100 percent and he was trying to play through it. So I, that's why I think that it, it, they would be better off being a little bit more forthcoming with some of this stuff um, so that people don't start getting, you know, making assumptions. Mm-hmm. in that situation all right so it it sounds like I, I guess the the possibility is there for phil myers like there is a path um yes now do you think that he- next year uh I, I guess at the end of the season hextall kind of went into it um considering ghost and provi um to be veterans now they're they have now been promoted to to veteran players well, they're no longer I mean, young players in his mind we're in the past go- it'll be ghost's fourth year next year right yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, you, you know, you're not a rookie in, anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, going into the last season, I don't, I don't remember if he referred to Ghost as a, as a veteran, or if he still considered him a young guy. Well, like when the questions were coming up about why, um, um, 
you know, they wouldn't go with a Sanheim, like why he right. wouldn't be guaranteed a spot in the top six. That was, you know, the the constant argument was, well, you can only have so many young guys on the defensive side. So after the season ended, uh, Hextall, I think was his, his end of season press conference. One of the things that he kind of talked about was, you know, Ghost and Provy being, uh, you know, vets on this team, which now means that I, I would think that that kind of leaves the possibility open. It leaves the door open that, you know, Sanheim is by no means a vet, but he spent a year with the team or a good chunk of the year with the team. Um, that, that to me kind of said, and, and I guess Haig as well, like Haig now has some, some pro time. Uh, they're certainly not seasoned grizzled vets. They're not a Radko Gudis. They're also not going to throw out, you know, stupid hip check or get themselves suspended. But, um, I guess the the possibility is there for Phil Myers. It does make me feel a little bit bad for Sam Moran. I mean, he's he's kind of like the Anthony Stolars of the defense. He just can't stay healthy, right. and and that to me is is kind of a shame. But in some way, I kind of look at it, and if if I'm thinking that Sam Moran can't really benefit from spending more time in the minors, like if if we say that hypothetically he's he's spent so much time down there that you know he's not going to develop that much more as a player, I have no problem with him being the seventh defenseman. I mean, like, is is he really going to kill you night in, night out if he comes in and, and gives Gudis a night off or whoever ends up being, like, the sixth defenseman on this team? Like, is Sam Moran that much worse than Brandon Manning? Like, is he? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe he is. I mean, they're obviously stylistically totally different players, but, like, to have a, to have a large guy that can go in and, and throw a body from time to time, if you put him on a pairing with somebody who at least you know, is able to uh, to cover up some of his deficiencies. Like maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. And if that's if that's what you get out of a former first round pick, like it's a shame and it's certainly not what they had hoped to get. But I mean, you kind of have to cut your losses, I would think, at some point. Right. He can't just sit in the AHL for two or three more years while you cross your fingers that he's going to develop. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't think he can. I, I think you're right, because I mean, he like I said, he can't go back down. He's got to clear waivers to go back down. And I guarantee you there's another team in the NHL who would not let him go by on the waiver wire just because you're going to sit there and say, well, geez, here's a 22, 23-year-old kid who you know hasn't really gotten a chance in Philly, and they're going to put him on waivers, and he was a former first-round pick. Hell, we'll take him. We'll give it a shot, right? You know, you claim the guy and give him, throw him in there. If you're, especially, especially if you're a team that you don't think, you know, that you're kind of rebuilding and, and trying to, to start over again, um, that's an opportunity. So, that's why I don't think that the Flyers are going to let it get to that point. He's either going to, either they look at it and say we're going to let it, we're going to let him give it a shot at the NHL level, which I don't think they will, but they maybe they do that, or they move him. I, I, I think those are the two options more so than. Oh, let's cross our fingers that he makes it through waivers because he won't. He won't make it through waivers. So th- that's why I'm of the belief that he's not going to be here. And, and not to mention, I, th- I think the Flyers have another defenseman who not a lot of people really talk a lot about. Um, who is kind of I don't want to say he's 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 on the come because he's not quite there. But who they look at and say we think this guy could eventually be an NHL guy, and that's Mark Friedman. He was a third-round pick a couple years ago. He actually had a really good camp with them last year, and there was some internal discussion about the potential of him maybe possibly being a guy that they looked at this year. Not not out of camp, not winning a job out of camp, but but maybe being a call-up at some point during the season. Um, he didn't have as good an offensive season with the Phantoms as I think that the team had hoped, but I think that they still look at him and say, I mean, he's playing all the time, every game. He's you know he's not coming out of the Phantoms lineup. 
um, I still look at they think they look at him and say, yeah, there's a guy who maybe could become that seventh defenseman who's not going to be a star player, you know, at the NHL level. We drafted him in the third round, right? So we think he's a borderline NHL kind of guy. Hopefully, we hit a lottery ticket to become something bigger. But if not, that's kind of where your third your your third round picks end up becoming your bottom six forward, your bottom two defensemen. Um, I think that there's a guy there who they look at and say, well, you know, we could always rely on him in in that capacity. So I, there's an, there's even another defenseman like behind him. So I don't I don't know. I just don't see it. I just don't see where Sam Moran fits. And as a result, I think that that's going to be something when we're talking about Hextall making moves this off season. I think one of the things that he's going to do is try and use Moran as his quote-unquote prospect to move to get another player to get a better pick or whatever the case might be I think that's the way he's going to end up playing this out so let's talk about that so going into the draft the Flyers have the 14th and 19th picks yeah uh, you've said before that you think that there is a decent chance that they try to make a move up yeah um, at, and in the past we've also talked about the possibility of trading like a Wayne Simmons um, yep. He's got what one year left on his deal, correct? One year, one so, year left, three point nine seven. So if million. you're if you're looking at the most valuable assets that the Flyers have right now that you think that they're willing to part with, we've got that 14th pick, the 19th pick. We're assuming Sam Moran, even in in some way, uh, can be viewed as a potential you know decent uh, trade piece, I would think, and yeah. then a proven vet in Wayne Simmons, who whose cap number isn't astronomical this year, and then maybe Radko Gudas, right? Or would we say that those are the top five potential trade pieces that you could see potentially moved at or or around the draft? Um, yeah, I also think that they have a little bit of a goalie of a goalie conundrum that they got to figure out as well. And I think you might see them try and move one or two um, of the goalies because I think what you're looking at is you know I'm not certain if they're going to come back with both Elliott and Neuver next year. They're both under contract. I think that something needs to change um, in that capacity, and and maybe like you had mentioned very briefly earlier in the show, maybe you know uh, Alex Lyon now deserves an opportunity to compete for the backup goalie job at the NHL level. Um, you know he's he's really proving himself yet again um, uh, in the playoffs for the Phantoms. Um, he's six and one in the playoffs, and nine fifty nine save percentage, one four nine goals against. I mean, what more can you ask from the guy? Ninety four save game and five overtime game. Um, I think that. So I think he's a guy that you sit there and say, well, you know what? You know, we like that a lot more than we like the fact that we have to deal with these two veteran guys who are you know injury prone on our roster for a whole year. Now, is Alex Lyon ever going to become? A star NHL goalie, probably not. But could he become a you know legitimate number two guy on a team? Yeah, for sure. Um, so you have him, and then you have Stolarz, who missed almost the entire year with his knee injury. Um, so where does he slot in? They like I know they kind of thought of him as a backup NHL backup kind of guy. And you get, and you know Carter Hart's going to be on the Phantoms next year because he's graduating from the WHL. He's actually going to probably um, join them. Uh, just for practice purposes now, um, I doubt he'll see any time here in the playoffs. But um, at the same time, I think he's going to he's going to be there and join the team. So, so he's going to be on the Phantoms, and no doubt about it, he's going to be the number one guy on the Phantoms next year. Wait, is he? He's not eligible for the playoffs now. Once, yeah, because his team got eliminated from the. Is there is there any chance? Like, could we actually see? Would it take an Alex Lyon injury? 
they won't put him in at this point because the goal now is to win the Calder Cup. The goal is now not to see if a guy can play at this level, right? So if this was the regular season or earlier in the, in the playoffs, the very beginning of the playoffs, like if Carter Hart's team didn't do really well at all and their junior season ended early, yeah, okay? I mean, I think that there was a, there would be a possibility. I think a, a, a skater has more of a possibility. Like Morgan Frost is another guy who I think you're going to see on the Phantoms. I don't think he's going to play either, but I think there's a better chance that you see a Morgan Frost than you do Carter Hart because Morgan Frost is a for, is a forward. There's 12 forwards. You can kind of, you know, figure out where, you know, the right opportune times to use him. He can only, you know, maybe only play him six, seven minutes, but you put him out there in the right situations. You're not going to throw a, a 19-year-old goalie into the middle of the conference finals, <laughs> you know, at, after never playing pro ever. Um, I, it's just not going to happen. Um, that's kind of crazy. So I don't, I don't, so you're saying there's a chance. All right, we're good. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to buy my Carter Hart. Uh, right. Well, but, the point, but, you, but you see what my point is, right? So yeah. they have a little bit of, they Although, have a little bit of, of, of a goalie conundrum for next year. So I think that at least one of those guys, if not two could also, I mean, you could look at maybe, you know, Neuver as a possibility to be moved or, or Stolarz as a possibility to be moved. So I think, I think there's a couple of guys there as well that you can throw into that mix with the other five that you mentioned as potential pieces that Hextall could use to try and improve the team by sending them elsewhere. So to get back to Carter Hart for a second. So if, if, if we're <laughs> You're in love at, already, Ross. No, I know, I, I know but, you are. No, no, systematically, because I didn't play this game. I'm too much of a weenie. We know this. And also we didn't have ice in Schuylkill County unless it was a winter, you know, um, uh, whatever. If, if I'm like, if I'm a young player, right? What what's the easier thing to fill in at? Like systematically, if you're a goaltender, does it does it take that much to get adjusted to a new team? I mean, like you, I guess you have to know where to expect your defenseman and like where the defensive um, scheme, like the setup and everything, is going to be, and and like building chemistry there. But like, is it really that much harder for a goaltender to acclimate themselves to a new surrounding than it would be for for a forward? Um, I, probably not. It's more of a communication issue with goalies, I think, than anything else, because you have to know you have to know what the system is, right, and how your defensemen are going to come back into the zone, and how your forwards going to come back, and who to leave the puck for, and who you you know throw the puck up the boards to, and stuff like. That. I mean, there's all there's all kinds of communication things. So, but you know that can be figured out relatively quickly. I don't think that's something that's really a a thing that you sit there and say, oh, it needs time for adjustment. I don't think it needs a long time for adjustment there. I think what it is for a goalie is more so you've played junior hockey. You've never played against men. And now all of a sudden you're going to come into the playoffs against men (laughs) and play. I think think the stage is big, and I think that's the issue. I think you need to learn how to play on that stage before you – go out there. I mean imagine imagine being someone who, you know, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a um uh, a musical reference here. Imagine being somebody who plays in a in a high school band, right? And I've been there. You're pretty All good. right, I'm good. We're, right. good. We're good so far. Yeah. Yeah, you're pretty good, right? You're a pretty good mm-hmm. guitarist or whatever, whatever, you know. And yeah, okay, you guys do some good covers and stuff. All right, that's kind of cool. Uh, and your friends like you, you know, maybe they come see you at the coffee house or whatever, you know, 20 people come see you, including mom, dad, and grandpa and grandma and um and if, you know, some of your closest friends. Like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome, right? And then all of a sudden, you're asked to go perform at the Wells Fargo Center in front of 18,000 people. <laughs> Are you ready for that? You ready to take that step? 
I, I, no, you're not. I mean, there, there's something that has to happen in between. You have to kind of prepare yourself and get yourself ready for it. You don't just get thrown into that because that's basically what this is. And, and you're and you can't you can't just ex- imagine expect to be go up there and just you know pull out the axe and start wowing the crowd. You, you have to build that. It's got to be built in, and it's you, you can't just go in and, and do it. Now, I will say this. Let's go back to two. Let's go hold back on, to two thousand five. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a point to, to defend what I think you're about to say. Okay, I'll take you back to 2005. Mm-hmm. The, the Phantoms in the playoffs, they brought in out of right from junior hockey, Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, and not, they had never played pro before. They came right in, were put into top line roles, and expected to do a lot, and led that team to a Calder Cup championship. So you sit there and say, well, if they did it then, why can't they do it now? The difference was there was no NHL that year, so it was a different. It was a different league. It was a different situation. Like you wanted to, these guys were going to make your. They knew Jeff Carter and Mike Richards were going to be on the Flyers team in 0506. Not going to be just going to be on the fan. They were going to be on the Flyers, and they said, you know what, we got to put them in there and see how they perform in this situation because they're going to be on in the NHL next year. That's a different story. Carter Hart's not going to be in the NHL next year. If there was a belief that he was going to be in the NHL next year, then I I could see it happening. But the, the, he's not. He's going to be on the Phantoms for a, a, almost a full year. That's what's going to happen. And so that's why you're not going to see him go get thrown in right now. So what I was going to say um, was to your <laughs> to your point about you know being a, a high school band kid, right? Uh, you're out playing in your garage, you play the coffee house, fine. And then like you're dropped in Wells Fargo Center. Okay, well, I'm going to say that there's a little bit of a false equivalency to what you're saying. And this is why. You at no point get to represent your country uh, in a in a juniors competition. And Carter Hart has done that multiple times now. Uh, they, do they win the gold medal this last, yes. uh, this last time around, right? With Carter Hart yes. in goal? Yeah. Yes. Then the uh, Canadian team won the world juniors. So I, I think... You know, that's playing on a bigger stage. Again, like I get that it's not, you know, playing in the same kind of professional setup that the AHL is. But I would I would go out on a limb here and say that it's certainly a, a higher level than maybe what he was doing in the WHL. Um, Correct. It's, it's a different, it's an entirely different beast. It's certainly mm-hmm. not like he's being thrown I, into, you know, an NHL locker room and, and having to play at Wells Fargo Center. Like That's where I'll disagree with you, though. It's not okay. an entirely different beast. Because it's you're still playing against... 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds. That, that's all you're playing against. Yeah, but you also have the pressure on you of wearing the Canadian crest and like yes. and everything that goes with it. So you have the, you know, it's not the same as playing in the Olympics representing the national team, but you still do have like national scrutiny coming not sure. only from, from Canada, but also from, you know, your, your parent club uh, and all of their fans who were, you know, watching this tournament kind of at a glance, but especially focusing in on you. So no I question. Don't know. No question, but here's here's where I here's what I always try and tell people because you say, well, it's a young man's game and blah blah blah. I say this and I say it repeatedly, and I will say it and I say it until it, until I'm wrong. When you're a teenager, how many teenagers are able to come into profession a professional sport and succeed immediately? That you have to be incredibly special. You have to be one of the elite of all elites to be able to do that. Because it's just a, it's different playing against people who are ten years older than you. It just is. You're you're physically your body's not ready. You're not as strong. You're not as fast. 
You're, you're not at your peak physical performance. And so that's what it is. And, yeah, of course, we all want to see Carter Hart play. We all want to see him in these pressure situations. We would love to see him play. Oh, yeah, let's let's throw him in there and see how he would do. It's the conference finals. Maybe he can steal a couple games and lead him to the Calder Cup championship. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be you're darn awesome, right. You're darn right, awesome, Anthony. See, it would be an awesome in. story. Yeah. It would be Don't an awesome story. Don't you throw the butt story. in here. But he's 19. Throw the butt. He's 19. He's not he's not he's not grown into his body yet. He's not what he's going to be in 3 4 years. That's the difference. And it's something that we fail to think about when we when we get excited about young players at any sport, not just hockey, but when we get excited. Now football's the one exception because college is kind of the feeder, right? And even even NBA to some degree. I mean, yeah, there's the G League, right? But now but even to some degree they have it where you can go right from college to the to the um, to the pros, you don't have you don't see it in baseball and you don't see it in hockey because they have a development program for kids to get there right and kids more often than not in the NFL that are entering uh, from college entering the NFL are already 22 years old some are even even a year older than that sometimes they're 23 coming out of college so they're already that much older and that's why it's a lot of times you, you hear about you you see college kids who sign in the NHL after the end of their um, college season, and they get an opportunity in the NHL right away. And they're like, well, geez, these guys weren't even drafted or were, or were you know, and were like third-round picks, and all of a sudden they're playing in the NHL. And these junior kids, you can't get them up there. The difference is the age. They're four years older. They're five years older. It's a big physical difference in a sport that requires that kind of physicality and speed, and it's something that we just don't think about. All right. Well, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to be the you know when you, when you throw out, there, but when you throw out the possibility of of seeing the kid, like I'm going to be excited. I mean, now if you're telling me that potentially we can see Morgan Frost, like I'm fine with that as well. I mean, I, look, I don't I don't that, think it's going to happen either. But it probably potential. But if there's potential, I you know I'll 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 get excited for it. That's fine. Yeah, I'm just happy to see that Lindblom's playing, and it'll be you know fun to watch some of these other young guys that you know. I'll, I'll give you two more. Club. Go ahead. I'll give you two more names to just watch um, here the rest of the playoffs. Um. Uh. Well, actually, I they um, the the maybe not in the rest of the playoffs because they're also dealing with some injuries as well, whether they get back or not. Um, but uh, Michael Vorobiev, um, I think, is a guy who could be a fourth line center kind of guy. Um, I, I like him better than Mike Vecchione. Vecchione's playing the whole time, but I, I think Vecchione's going to be an AHL only guy. In all honesty, I like uh, Vorobiev a little bit better, and I really like Nick Albe Kubel. Um, He's played in six of the games so far. Um, I really think he's another guy who I think has a shot at a fourth-line role on the Flyers next year. So those are a couple names if you happen to catch the fans, who, by the way, are getting three of their games against the Toronto Marlies put on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah, NBC <laughs> Philly. Look at you. NBC, I'm sorry, NBC Sports Network Philadelphia. Don't you dare call them NBCSN Philly unless it's on social media, and then apparently that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Oh. It's nothing like glomming on to the team, you know, uh, you know, in their last, potentially their final postseason uh, appearance, right, in their, yeah. in their last series. Uh, better late than never. This is, this is so classic them. They did this in 05, too, when the when the Phantoms made the run to the Calder Cup championship. All year, they didn't even met, know that they existed. No talk about them. There was no highlights. Nothing. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, they get to the conference finals, and it's like, oh, 
there's a minor league hockey team in the in the in the viewing area because th- here's the difference. Like when the Phantoms were up in um, New York, up playing in, in Glenhead, New York. Uh, 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 fine, okay, whatever. Yeah, they're far away. You're, they're not in the viewing area. Uh, you want to mention that something happened that they won or lost? Okay, fine. But Lehigh Valley, they, Comcast is in the Lehigh Valley. I mean, it's it's an hour away. I mean, this is this is our market. Put put them on for God's sake. From time to time, rather than put on an infomercial. You know, I don't care if you put the game on delay, tape delay. People will watch it rather than throw on some kind of anything. Yeah, even that, the Plus Network. They any, that's anything. you know by virtue of them having NBCSN Philadelphia Plus, like put yeah, it on. I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah. How hard? How hard can it be? And you don't. You know what? I understand. Oh well, we got to put a crew together. Blah, blah blah. Seriously, put one freaking camera up there in the stadium. Uh, simulcast their their radio um, guy as your play by play. I mean, it's the, it's just a he's a team employee, right? I mean, just put him on. You know, you know, you don't have to pay for an announcer or anything like that, or whatever. If you want to try and try somebody out as an announcer, say, well, let's see how this guy sounds doing a game, whatever. I mean, that's what ESPN does. You know, they just throw random people onto random assignments. I mean, literally, I was watching. I was I nearly fell off my chair the other day when they have. Um, uh, they have which I'm gonna call it competition now on ESPN. I don't know. If, did you see this where they have uh, uh, the, what's the, the the beanbag like bean the bag. cornhole cornhole yeah, they, had, they had cornhole on TV. cornhole yeah cornhole championships and all of a sudden walking in there to do the interviews the sideline reporter is a girl named Danielle Maslany who was my intern at the Flyers. Whoa, <laughs> she was my personal intern at the Flyers. She was she was the sideline reporter for ESPN for Cornhole. And I'm like, seriously? They'll do it. They'll don't try anybody anywhere. I mean, that's what they do. And, you know, it's like, oh, good for Danielle. Good for Danielle. I'm proud of her. She's doing really well for herself, trying to trying to make it in the business, She's working for ESPN. That's great for her. But I'm sitting there like, seriously? But so I mean, how hard would this be on a local level? This is a team that's an hour away and they're pretty darn good. And this is a good hockey market. Why do you jump in last minute? 2005, honest to God, Tim Panaccio was, I think it was his first year, second year at, at, um, at the time was Comcast Sportsnet. Um, he was at the opening two games uh, of the Phantom season, which took place on the road. So it was in, um, first game was in uh, Hartford, Connecticut against the Hartford Wolfpack, and the second game was in Bridgeport, Connecticut against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Tim Panaccio did not return until they played the Providence Bruins in the Eastern Conference Finals in May. And there was no season. There was no NHL season. So he didn't have to do anything other than cover the stupid lockout, which was the same thing all year long, right? He did nothing, but they, that's when they decided to send him out. And that's when they decided to start airing games. They actually didn't show any games at the time in the Conference Finals. They just had Tim covering it. And then in the final, when they played the Chicago Wolves, all of a sudden, all those games were on TV. And so it's you wild. guys are missing an opportunity here. Well, you know, if the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are listening, if the front office or whoever is listening, uh, you know, we will uh, gladly call the games. We'll uh, do <laughs> Snow the Goalie covers the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. It'd be great. We'll do play-by-play, some color commentary. It'll be awesome. Yeah, uh, no. I could be like, uh, what's what was the um, uh, the character in uh, the SNL skit? Uh, crap, what was the guy's name? He did the, oh. uh, uh, was it Chance the Rapper? It was Chance the Rapper, yeah. I think. <laughs> Where he's down there, and he's like, "Man, it is cold down here. It is cold." Uh, like they say in hockey, "Let's do that hockey." Like that, I'll do that. I'll stand down by the ice and complain about how cold it is. You can do, uh, you can do double duty on the, 
the call. It'll be awesome. You know, I and I did that the uh, the second lockout, 2012-13 season. Um, the Flyers had to justify us remaining as employees because there was no games. Right, there was the season didn't start till January, so we had four months where like, we were just there. So they had to justify us as employees. So what they did is they sent me and Tim Saunders, because the radio people are team employees. Um, the TV people are Comcast employees or NBC employees, as it were. So they sent Tim Saunders and, and I to uh, New York, and we called Phantoms games. I was the color analyst. Tim Saunders was play-by-play, <laughs> and we did Phantoms games through the website. Like there wasn't even it wasn't even really it wasn't televised or radio. It was only done through PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. Um, so who's got, calling these games for NBCSN? That's a good question. I didn't. You know what? Let me see if Snow I have. Snow the goalie. It's time I, for Snow the goalie. I know. Let me let me find uh, more. We're going to be on TV, Anthony. It's going to be great. <laughs> let me find her. Uh, Would they her... get Jim Jackson up for that? Oh, hold on. She sent an email. Hold on. Let's see. Who's she? Maureen Quilter. Like I'm supposed to know that from from um, NBC Sports. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Maureen, how are you, yeah, Maureen? She's like the she's, she's listening. NBC, yeah, she does the. Um, Hold on, what, what, what email address did I get this to? Damn it. <laughs> so, this is good pod. This, this is, is good, good, this is good right radio here. right here. This is good sound this right here, right? takes me back to, uh, back to the good old days of, uh, I got nothing. How am I going <laughs> to fill some time? Let's fill some time. I could edit this out, but that's not as fun. We're getting real-time updates here from Anthony Sanfilippo pulling up. How many email addresses do you have? Uh, four, I think. <laughs> what? I do, yeah, four. Three Gmails and a... Uh, I'll tell and me there's my, a Hotmail or an old AOL. You know what? I probably still have, and I don't even remember how to log into it, but I had an, I had an Earthlink email address oh, many years oh, ago. Oh, baby. <laughs> Earthlink. I had I know, Earthlink. Right? Oh, what was the one that was before Earthlink? Um, I got to look this up. Before Earthlink? Yeah. There, there, was, there was a company that Earthlink bought that was a dial-up. Uh, um, I'm going to look it up. Earthlink. Completes merger with Windstream. No, I never had Windstream. Do you know Earthlink is still in business? No way, really? It is, yeah. Earthlink and Windstream merged in 2017. That's a real thing. It's an interesting. Th- that's that's real life. Wow. It doesn't say. It doesn't say in the press release. It just All says. Right, so we don't know who's calling the game. So we're gonna assume that it is. It is uh, open season for throwing an application, so Snow the Goalie uh, officially submits a formal application to call some Lehigh Valley Phantoms games, uh, really bring the entertainment that people maybe don't deserve, but exactly the, uh, the kind of coverage they need. Um, you know, Obviously, Anthony is very qualified for this. I'll throw my hat in the ring here. I am currently seventh in the uh, Snow the Goalie bracket challenge, so that's a thing. Um, yeah, I... I, I I've now capped out at as many points as I can have. I had Pittsburgh yeah. winning the cup, so. So uh, yeah, so it's uh, it, all it sa- all it says is that they're going to air it. It just doesn't it doesn't say who's calling it. I can right, only well, I can well it can't be Jim Jackson because Jim Jackson's now with the Phillies. He's oh, got Phillies point, responsibilities, right? So it could be. I mean, I, geez, I can't imagine. I can't imagine Bundy's going to go up there for four days. <laughs> he hated traveling. That was one of the things he he didn't want to go up to New York. I mean, that was why I ended up being the color guy because Bundy was like, "I ain't going." <laughs> he didn't want to do it for the Phantoms back then as the radio color analyst. Um, maybe they get Coatsy to go up there. 
That'd be awesome. You know, and and or or Bill Clement, but I don't know who's going to do. Maybe Saunders does play by play. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But it's not a net. Yeah, they didn't announce it. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, so that that'll be a, a ton of fun. Real quick before uh, we head out, though, I think to kind of put a bow on the Golden Knights. Uh, yeah, and and let's let's have our our brief throwdown here. Uh, tell the people why you uh i don't know you said that it's the the most improbable thing you've ever seen this is the most this is the most improbable professional sports thing if they win if they'd win the stanley cup i obviously if they don't win the stanley cup it's not that improbable but it would be the most improbable professional sports outcome ever if the way if the vegas golden knights win the stanley cup in their first season so it's just flat out wrong um, and while I respect you and I respect your opinions, you're, you are so wrong on this. It, it's painful. And I know that you and Bob don't like to, um, give soccer any kind of credit, but before the season, the longest odds for the golden Knights to win the Stanley cup were 500 to one odds. Okay. And 500 to one is a lot. Like that's obviously a, uh, a massive, uh, thing to overcome. Right. I think the, I'm looking, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, had um, nine to one bets or something like that, three hundred fifty nine to one bets that they were going to win. Um, at at one point, um, there was there was some other team that had like a, a rougher odds, I think, than the Golden Knights. Um, but yeah, five hundred to one. Can't, can't if, imagine if, that's the case. If if you if you think that that was the most improbable thing in professional sports, let me reintroduce the people to Leicester City uh, of the English Premier League. In 2016, they faced odds of 5,000 to 1 in the preseason. 5,000 to 1. Ten times worse odds than the Vegas Golden Knights did of winning the Stanley Cup. So while, you know, we could probably say, I'll agree with you that it is the most improbable American sports uh, story, but it is certainly not at the same level uh, of Leicester City, who I believe that season had just earned promotion to the EPL did not have any big name guys. I would still argue that Marc Andre Fleury, uh, in a, in of itself, he is a better player uh, or a more established player than like even a Jamie Vardy was uh, at at the time for Leicester. So uh, Vardy had kind of it, the Leicester City comparison is actually interesting because a guy like Vardy was um, bounced around a lot uh, in different levels of of uh, English soccer. I think he'd gone all the way down to the third league uh, and then kind of clawed his way back up. And ended up leading that improbable run, but you know there are some parallels uh, to those two teams. But five thousand to one odds versus five hundred to one odds, I, th- I think it's pretty clear. But that's right. just me. Can I explain to you why that there's a difference? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. What is the most gambled on sport in the world? Soccer. Okay. So when you have a, it's more likely when you have more money being gambled on a sport that an odds the odds are going to be longer for a team like that because all the money all the big money is going on the favorites right when you have a sport that is not gambled on a lot like hockey which is probably (laughs) i would probably put hockey behind like auto racing (laughs) i mean in all honesty as far as gambling i mean you know I, i would say soccer football Horse basketball, horse racing, baseball, auto racing, probably boxing and, and MMA are probably ahead of hockey as well. I mean, in all honesty, um, 
hockey is so far down the sports betting list that you can't have such incredibly long odds because the the, the odds makers aren't going to make anything off of the off of that off of the uh, other teams that are losing. You know what I'm saying? Like they look at it and say, okay, well, even if this hits, how much will we, you know, make on these other teams? And so, all right, geez, Leicester City's five thousand to one. Well, of course, if that happens, but we're going to make so much money on the other EPL teams not winning that even if somebody has that and wins that bet, it's not going to kill us. Whereas in hockey, where nobody nobody bets hockey except for my degenerate friend who texts me every day looking for looking for bets in the playoffs, like you can't have it be that high. You just can't. All right. So I mean that's that's the reason that the, that's the re- that's the difference between five hundred and five thousand, but on top of the fact is this: Leicester City existed prior to the year that they won. They existed. Yeah, but they were a minor league club, Anthony. Like, I mean, they, like realistically, they were in the, they were in the English Championship. Like they they did not have like any real big name or big money players on the team I got at the it. time. But they I, exi- I know what you're like. But I know they what you're existed. Saying. Yeah, but the Golden Knights were cobbled together with with guys that were playing at the NHL level. I mean, that, they nobody, might not have been the best. Who, who nobody, nobody wanted? wanted? Okay, yeah, that's fine. I mean, Mark <laughs> Andre Fleury was still a was still a very good goalie. Uh, yeah, it just it you know Matt Murray had you know played his way into that starting role. Right, Pierre Edouard Bellemar, like I, I get it. Like we didn't necessarily want him. There there were other guys that that team ended I mean, up getting. Look like, who's carrying them right now offensively. Jonathan Marchessault, who's been on five teams, never could stick anywhere. Nobody thought he was any good. He was just a guy. He was undrafted, whatever. And now he's like leading the team in goals in the playoffs. I mean, this is an this is a remarkable remarkable underdog story oh it is beyond i'm, I'm anything not trying I've ever to seen. minimalize it because i'm i'm obviously going to root for vegas like i think it's an uh, it's an amazing story for the sport um since we brought up betting um and kyle and i have been talking a lot about sports betting on crossing broadcast i wanted to kind of yeah. get your thoughts so um i you know i i think that it's fair to say that sports that are slower like baseball are probably going to benefit by small prop bets and everything um and and live betting I think that actually gives a chance of bringing baseball back. I, I said not from the brink of death, but I think that baseball, because just by virtue of the fact that their average uh, viewer or average consumer of the sport are so much older than NHL fans, even NFL fans, certainly MLS or international soccer fans, that this maybe kind of opens the door again to have 20-somethings find a reason to watch baseball that maybe right now uh, have kind of become disaffected by by consuming it, do you think that that hockey is going to potentially benefit or could benefit the NHL? You know, in terms of ratings or whatever, could benefit from the legalization or or at least the uh, the deregulation or whatever of of sports gambling in the U.S. I, every sport benefits in some capacity from this. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's a it's a boon for every sport to have legalized gambling and to have legalized sports books for people to bet because degenerates will bet on anything. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, they will find anything to bet on, and any 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 wager that you offer, people will somebody will bet it. So it will have a direct benefit because someone's going to have if someone's got money on the line, they're going to watch it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to improve every sport uh, to, to have this legalized. So I, yes, but do I think it's going to have a major impact on the NHL? No, because I, I again I think it's too difficult of a sport to really gamble on. I mean, you see it in the play- – there's no home ice advantage in the playoffs. I mean, there's no real way to look at it other than have – you can't gamble on hockey unless you have a feel for what's happening with the team. 
Um, and I, you know, I, I, I'm down there. I, I know players. I talk to players. I talk to coaches and managers. And I, and I literally, I tell you, I have a guy who call, who texts me every day for hockey bets, literally every day. And I do pretty well come playoff time for him because I think I have a feel for how the teams are going in the playoffs. In the regular season, I, I tell him, I said, I said, me giving you a response here in the regular season is no different than you doing it yourself because it's so 50-50. It's so up in the air. So many games in hockey are are you just don't know. You just It's like throwing something against the wall and hoping it sticks. You, you just don't know with hockey. And so I don't see how it makes a huge difference during the course of a season, it's going to help a little bit, but not. I don't see it having the same kind of effect it has on football and baseball and basketball. You know, I mean, I, he, he texts me sometimes and gives me the odds after the first period, and I'm like, dude, seriously? Like, <laughs> I mean, this is this is insane. Um, but I, so I don't I don't think it changes much because you, there's only so much scoring in hockey. Like, you can't like the over under is five and a half, right? I mean, is that going to change much from period to period? I I don't know. I mean, how much is it going to change? So, like there are so many things that you can toy around with in in baseball and football and the props can really get really kind of fun and interesting and quirky. I don't see how it happens in hockey. I don't see what you can do to make it any different. And so therefore I I think it has a small um benefit to the league but not a huge benefit. All right, so as we kind of wrap up here, um, we've got the Stanley Cup Finals uh, are probably, what, in the next, probably starting in two weeks or so? No, less than, I mean, it could be less than that. I mean, I, you know. Well, the, I'm looking at the schedule right now. So so Game 5 of Golden Knights and Jets uh, happens on the 20th. Um, game 5 of Caps Lightning is tonight, uh, the 19th. The latest that these series could end, theoretically, were probably if... The Eastern Conference Final goes to a, a seventh game. That's the 23rd. And Vegas and Winnipeg, if somehow Winnipeg is able to, to extend the series to a seventh game, which it doesn't look like they will, that would be May 24th. Uh, last year's finals started on the 29th. So, okay, so let's say it's it's in the next week, week and a half. Uh, if we don't get an episode in before them, I think we will. But if we don't, how do you see this thing playing out? Vegas has a 3-1 lead. Uh, game five is is in Winnipeg, and uh, Caps Lightning. Game five is in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I well, so let's start out west. I mean, I, I think Winnipeg can win game five. I don't think they can beat Vegas three in a row. I don't think there's any way they win game six back in Vegas. Um, Vegas has already proven that they can win in Winnipeg, which is a tough place to win, and they won in game two there. Um, I, I think that they're just they're going to win. It's the they're the story, and the, the, it's going to happen. They're going to get to the final. Um, as for the East, Washington had their chance to bury Tampa. They were up 2-0 going home. All they really had to do was win one of the two games on home ice. Lost them both. Now they got to win two out of three, and two of them are in Tampa. It's just not going to happen. Tampa's figured it out. I think Tampa wins this series. As a matter of fact, I think Tampa wins it in six. I don't even think it goes seven. I think Tampa wins the next two, and it's over. Um, so I think it's Tampa and Vegas in the final. And... Uh, don't predict it yet. We don't need to. Don't go into a okay. finals prediction. I just wanted to All know right. who you think is going to go through. Yeah, Tampa, Tampa, and Vegas. I mean, if, and and if, if, to be honest with you, if I had to pick that prior to the start of the round, I would have gone with Tampa and Vegas as well. Um, 
I didn't think Vegas would have as easy a time with, with Winnipeg as they've had. And I thought Tampa would have an easier time with Washington than they're having. Um, but I would have I would have probably said Tampa in five and Vegas in seven is what I would have okay. probably had said coming going in. Now I don't think either one reaches game seven. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. The, the other thing that I wanted to get to uh, was if – if uh, Washington ends up kind of blowing this and they get knocked out after exercising some demons and getting as far as they did and, and knocking out Pittsburgh, does this hurt Alex Ovechkin's legacy? Uh, does it does it do anything to change it? Because it, it felt like momentum had kind of shifted. It, it seemed like he was maybe poised to potentially lead Washington to a Stanley Cup final and, and maybe even win it. Um, for a guy that was, you know, I, I don't think there was ever really a question of whether or not um, Sidney Crosby was taken number one overall in that draft. There, there were people I, I would kind of compare it to the Ben Simmons and, and Brandon Ingram draft, where it, it felt like you had score versus overall player. Um, well, you got to remember they I, were this they is were kind of tricky, right? Like, well, Ovechkin wise, Ovechkin's you know Ovechkin was drafted the year before him, before Crosby. Was he? Yes, but he just didn't. It was the year of the lockout, so he didn't play. They were rookies in the same year. That um, was it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Ovechkin was actually drafted the year before Crosby. Um, number one overall. Um, so uh, it, it's hard to sit there and say that it tarnishes his legacy. I mean, the guy's got 20 points. He's one point behind. Uh, there's four guys who have 21 points so far in the playoffs. Um, Kuznetsov and Wheeler are still playing. Gensel and Crosby are done. Um, so all Ovechkin really need. I mean, he's, he's behind his teammate by one point, and – Blake Wheeler by one point. Wheeler's going to be done pretty soon too. So, like Ovechkin's got ten goals, ten assists in this playoff. I mean, that's pretty darn good. I mean, he's averaging a, over a point a game. Um, it's hard to sit there and say if they blow this that it tarnishes his personal legacy. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could have blamed him for seasons in the past where he didn't play great in the playoffs and they got bounced by Pittsburgh when he, they should have been the better team. But this year. I, I think that he's playing free and loose because the expectations weren't there. Like, nobody looked at, at the Capitals, even though they won the Metropolitan Division, and said, oh, this is a team that's going to go to the Stanley Cup. I mean, none of us saw it yeah. um, because nobody thought they were as good as Pittsburgh. Nobody thought they were as good as any of the teams in the, in the Atlantic, you know, whether they matched up against Tampa or Boston or, or Toronto. Nobody thought Washington was as good as, as any of them. So they were really kind of an afterthought in the Eastern Conference. And so when they got out to the 2 nothing lead in this series, and all of a sudden it's like the odds changed. As a matter of fact, I got an email update that the odds had changed. After they went up 2-0, they, were, they became the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Man. And then once again, as soon as it got to that point, that's when all of a sudden you can feel that like sphincter tightening happening, right? right? That's just, the sound. Just oh, that God, that's the sound? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> We're gonna go with like the air leaving, and I'm like, why does it sound like a slurp? What is? Oh God! I don't, I don't know. It was just, oh, that's it was that's off awful. the top. It was off the top of the head. Right, um, well, anyway, I think if you're, I think if that's the sound of your sphincter tightening, you need to go see a proctologist, right? Like that a colonoscopy anyway. might be in, in your very near future. That's that's not good, Anthony. You might need to get that looked at. Oh man, but uh, anyway, so I mean that's so. I, but I can't really blame him. I mean, he's had a really nice playoff run. Um, even if he doesn't get another point and they lose the next two games, and he finishes with twenty points in eighteen games, that's pretty darn good. It's kind of hard to say that this tarnishes his legacy because they they blew a two zero lead in the conference finals. All right. Well, 
I think that's a pretty good place to jump off for this week. Uh, yeah. we will, we'll, we're going to have some pretty interesting episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we are in talks with a couple guests or a yes. few guests, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, so those should be some pretty exciting episodes. Uh, the number one thing here is uh, Snow the Goalie is certainly not taking time off for the offseason. We've got the draft coming up, still have this Phantoms run for however long, and we'll have some guests on, and, and it'll be a, uh, a nice offseason. And, you know, come here for your informed and uh you know somewhat rational takes and uh yeah we'll uh we'll be back with some some guests and life will be good um don't forget to go on to itunes and uh, leave a five-star review Uh, i think right now we're sitting at 22 five-star reviews in itunes so uh, whether you get this on itunes or google play or stitcher or wherever um, try to get to a a device that has itunes leave a five-star review uh the rating is nice but the review is something that we can read on the show um yeah is there anything else that you wanted to uh, put out to the people there, Anthony? No, I'm uh, excited to go watch soccer. All right. That's right. Hey, enjoy the Union game. I bet they're going to win. I'm just kidding. They probably won't. I don't know. I'll <laughs> yeah, text I, you closer I, to the game, and I'll, I'll give you an, an so honest here, opinion. So, here, of, so of here's what I got to do. I got to tell you that this is something I didn't mention with Bob on the Phillies podcast, but I'll, I'll tell you because I know you're a soccer guy. and It'll be funnier for you. So in order to set this whole thing up, um, I'm doing this for my bosses down in uh, in D.C. who are coming up for the game. And uh, in order to get it, to get, get them like a special thing, like I, I'm bringing them onto the field for the game for warm-ups and stuff like that. Okay. I know. I, got, I, went, I went, you Look know, you. rolling out the red carpet. But in order to make all this work, I I kind of agreed to write an experience story for, <laughs> for Crossing Broad. <laughs> <laughs> on oh what it's going to be boy. like for a for a non-soccer fan to go to a union game. <laughs> so, oh boy! <laughs> All right, well, you, so I got I got to come up swell. with something. I got to come up with something. Go to the Sons gotta... of Ben Tailgate. The Sons of Ben Tailgates are awesome. They 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 are nice. They're like twenty bucks. It's all you can drink. They usually have dogfish head beer and they have burgers and dogs and that's really? a good way to spend your money. Yeah, and they've got the um, uh, check out the rooftop deck. I think it used to at least be a dogfish head thing. I think one year it was land shark, but. They've got the um, the rooftop bar that kind of overlooks the um, the parking lot in the wharf building. So, yeah, they have a nice little concourse that's outside. I mean, it's it's raining, so that's not going to be as fun. But it's a nice stadium, and every seat's a good seat. So, well, I've been to the have, stadium. I, I I covered uh, NCAA lacrosse championships there, so I know what the stadium's oh. like. So it's it, yes, it's a great stadium. Um, I've not been there for soccer though. I've not been to a union game, believe it or not. Well, I hope you enjoy it. So uh, speaking of soccer, don't forget, if you're uh, listening to this, Snow the Goalie is part of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network uh, with shows such as Crossing Broadcast, which is every Monday, Wednesday, and sometimes Friday. Uh, Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast with Anthony and Bob. Uh, Obviously, this show, Snow the Goalie, which we appreciate you listening to. Uh, Crossing Broad FC with me and Phil Kaidel. And It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with uh, Kevin Kincaid and Dave Zeitlin. So... Uh, don't forget to go check out those shows, add them to your subscription list, and uh, leave five-star reviews and ratings and all that. And uh, for Anthony, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again next week, uh, possibly with a guest. Keep an eye out.